0: And the series is entitled, And Now These Three Remain, Faith, Hope, and Love. And what we're going to be talking about today is, What is Biblical Faith? Now this lesson not only reveals what the Bible teaches us about faith, but it also describes the the legitimate spiritual experience that comes with having biblical faith. So as we prepare to get started, would you join me in prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for the time that we have this week to study, to come together as a family and as a group, Father, and to allow ourselves to be renewed, regenerated, allow ourselves to leave the things that are going on in the world or outside and step away from them for a moment so that we can study your word and concentrate on it. Heavenly Father, there is a lot for us to be gained in the word of God when it comes to talking about faith, hope, and love. And Father, we pray that we approach this lesson, Father, with that openness of heart, that willingness of mind, Father, to to comprehend and allow ourselves to get a better understanding of what biblical faith is all about. Heavenly Father, we thank you for joining us tonight and guiding us tonight and encouraging us tonight. Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Okay. Most of us are familiar with Paul's description of Christian love in a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. In that letter, he lays out the image of Jesus Christ fully formed in the character of a mature human being. I first want to take you to 1 Corinthians. It's not on the slide there, but you need to go into your Bibles to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, so that we can get an idea of what Paul was saying to the church there at, at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. The Bible reads, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy a boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on his own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now there's a lesser known part about this particular text. There's a lesser known part that's quoted as well. That's, that's uh, not quoted as much, I should say. However, it is the conclusion of this section where the apostle Paul lists or rather sets, if you will, in order the spiritual steps that both lead and enable the disciple of Christ Jesus to reach his spiritual maturity. And that's what we see in the slide right there, verse 13 of our text. Verse 13, the Bible reads, But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love now, this study that we are about to venture into, this study explains more fully what the Bible teaches us about faith, hope, and love. And it teaches us this so that we can learn to abide in these and in, and in so doing, reach a greater measure of spiritual maturity that is desired of us by our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Now, the first step, faith. Faith. It is both large and small. Large in the sense that so much has been said and so much can be said about it. But small. Small in the sense. Because each of us have uh, has our own individual and, and intimate sense of what faith is for us. It's fair to say faith is like the sun. Vast. And beyond human grasp. But still personal less. As each one of us have, have the ability to sense its heat upon our faces on a hot summer day. I suppose. A good way to begin this subject is by. Reviewing. Some misconceptions. About faith. In other words. What. Faith is not. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Word of God, we, we read about many who claim to be religious and holy and thus people of faith, but did not know the first thing about faith. And these people and, and their attitudes live on today as examples of what faith is not. I want to take us back to the first century the time of Christ Jesus, and there was a group there called the Pharisees. They were a strict set of uh, religious lawyers and, and teachers. Of course, they were in Israel, and they lived during the time of Christ Jesus when he was here on this earth. And what we find is they were indignant with Christ Jesus when he accused them of being sinful. And what you find, how they responded, you see it in John chapter In John chapter 8 at verse 39, for we're told there that they answered Christ Jesus by saying that they were sons of Abraham. And because they were sons of Abraham, this religious and and, and cultural, cultural heritage was all they needed to be justified, if you will. To be justified before God. They said, we don't need repentance. We don't need obedience. We don't need faith. Now we bring ourselves back up to the day, 2021, and we find that we take on the same attitude when we rest our confidence in our religious heritage rather rather than in faith. Now some think, some think that. Being part of a of a religious group, or or, or uh, for some long period of time, they say that's good enough. But you see, identification and association with a particular church for several generations is not the same thing as faith. Let's go back first century, and even beyond. And what we find is this. The Jews knew the law. The Jews knew the rules. They knew the traditions. They knew the arguments. But there's a however coming here. However, Paul says that they did not achieve righteousness. Why? According to Romans 9 and verse 32, because they did not pursue it by faith. I say this to you. Memorizing scripture is helpful to build faith. I'll be the first one to say that for you. But it is not the same thing as having faith. If you don't believe me, try going into these jails for a while, and you'll find some people in those jails that can quote scripture better than a lot of preachers. But they have no concept of what faith is all about. They just know how to speak it out. Knowing and arguing or debating, if you will, about different points of doctrine successfully is important, but it is not faith. Indoctrination is a means to acquire faith, but the practice and the, the expertise of knowing the theory of our religion is not in itself faith. Now, some people confuse familiarity with faith. But I want to share with you two stumbling blocks that we, not just Christians, but human beings as in general, two stumbling blocks that we run into. The first stumbling block we run into is this right here. Bringing people to Christ is, 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 is the problem we have of trying to bring people to Christ when they're already set in their comfort zone, if you will. I remember Bennett at Nekiski and a brother had this great idea when they said, you know, there's a church right down the street. Why don't we go down there on a Sunday morning and why don't we go in there and why don't we tell them what the Bible says? And I explained something to him. It's Sunday morning in Nekiski, Alaska. If those people are at that building down there, they're at that building down there because they're comfortable by being in that building and they want to be in that building. And us running in there knocking on the door saying, let us, take you, let us show you the Bible is not going to work. Because, quite honestly, and I said this too, look around here and see how many people we have identified with this particular congregation and look at how many are not here. So we're going to go down and talk to them? We got people that's not even here that should be here. The number one stumbling block in bringing people to Christ is sin and love of sin, according to John 3, at verse 19. So I say this to you, feeling at home with a certain set of ideas, uh, rituals, traditions, a, a meeting place, or comfort with a, with a certain group of people is not faith. It's emotion. It's familiarity. But it's not faith. The Jews grew great comfort from their traditions and, and through the excesses of the pharisees what happened was they turned their comfortable traditions into inflexible laws that eventually overshadowed the reason for the traditions which was to honor god himself the jews understood that god is real the Jews understood that there is a link between God and man, and that is our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. With time, the Jews came to believe that their own self-righteousness was their link with the Lord, their way to view, if you will, the invisible God. In other words, they were saying that I am righteous, therefore my vision of God is right as well. But again, again, Paul explains their mistake was substituting self-righteousness for faith. We see this in Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. And every time I point back at the Jews and the Pharisees, I like to remember that there are three fingers coming back at us today. We fall into the same subtle trap when we assume that we can substitute a level of morality or general niceness about ourselves into faith. Now some think this right here. Some think I got a well kept lawn or I have a successful marriage or I have a meaningful career or I have healthy children and they say these are the same thing or as good That's faith. But it's not. It's not. And it's not that we deny faith. We merely transform, if you will, faith into nice lifestyle, i.e. the American dream. And for us, living a good life becomes our faith. Enough about what faith is not. Enough about what faith is not. Let's look at some concrete things from the Word of God, from the Bible, that identifies as faith. Now to begin with, to begin with, faith is a composite of several different factors. It's like a puzzle that you, that you put together one piece at a time in order to reveal, if you will, the final image. And the key pieces are the following. And it's what you see right there, specific knowledge. Romans 10 and verse 17, the Bible says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When the Bible, when the Bible talks about faith, it does so in both objective and subjective terms. Now let's talk about the objective side of it. When the Bible refers to The faith, it is talking about a body of specific religious information formulated and given by Jesus and later disseminated to us by his apostles and then recorded in the New Testament. When Paul says, at Ephesians 4 verse 5, when Paul says, there is one faith, he refers to information, When Jude at Jude 3 says, contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints, he is talking about the knowledge and information concerning Christ given by God once and for all to the church. In other instances, the Bible talks about faith as a subjective experience. And what am I saying here? Something that one possesses or expresses that in certain instances produces results of some kind. We usually refer to this as belief or trust. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, what we have here is Paul. Paul is using both terms in the sentence. Check this out. Verse 22, but the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith, belief, trust in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 23, but before faith, that is the faith, information and knowledge came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, information and knowledge which was later to be revealed. In this passage, Paul is saying that you cannot have faith, that is belief, until you have the faith, information, and knowledge. So, before it becomes or does anything, faith is specific knowledge and information given to us by Christ Jesus and contained in the Bible, which is the word of God. Knowledge, however, by itself is not faith. We must act upon knowledge in order to for it to become faith. You see, our will must then respond to the knowledge we read about in Scripture in two specific ways for faith, that is belief, to emerge from the words of Christ Jesus. Number one we must accept the information as being true. This is what we refer to as believing. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. He who comes to God must believe that he is. And if you continue reading that it says because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We do not seek that which we do not believe. Number two, we must act upon or respond to the information given. Faith is born when we believe as true and respond to the words of Jesus Christ as he instructs us to do. In Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 38, we have the account of Luke, uh, some information he provided us by inspiration. Luke provides the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch, who was a convert of Judaism, we find, was reading scripture while traveling in his carriage, and he invites Philip to join and teach him regarding a passage he was reading in Isaiah referring to the common Messiah. The eunuch had information, but did not understand it. So we go to Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 30, and the Bible reads this. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said do you understand what you are reading and he said how could i unless someone guides me and he invited philip to come up and sit with him we continue at verse 32 now the stri- the passage of scripture which he was reading was this he was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before his shearers is silent so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate this generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? You see, Philip provides him with specific information relating to Christ Jesus, the link, the window that clarifies this knowledge. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now at this particular point, at this particular point, the only thing that the eunuch has is specific information. He must accept it as true, his confession, and act or respond to it, his baptism, in order for the information to become faith. We continue at verse 36. The Bible reads, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And we continue at verse 38. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip, as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. In the book of Acts, we, we can read that on the day of Pentecost, Peter reached, uh, rather preached the specific information regarding Christ's death and resurrection. And he preached it to a large crowd that was gathered at the temple and they were there for the feast. The people who heard his sermon then asked Peter, what they had to do. This was an acknowledgement from them that they believed and accepted as true what he had told them, that Jesus Christ was Messiah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now they wanted to know how they were to respond to this information that they believe. In other words, they wanted to know how they could go about the business of expressing their faith. Peter answered, or he answers rather, that they should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the reception of the Holy Spirit. The actual account we read about at Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And the Bible reads, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is a lot of confusion going on when it comes to the word of God. The confusion in much ab- the religious world, however, stems from the idea that man is not able to make a proper act of will. According to, to to most popular Christian teachings on this matter, God offers salvation without an act of will on the part of man. And what they tend to say is this right here. God simply chooses different people for salvation and then what? They accept his choice by understanding and repeating certain words. We've heard them before. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior, et cetera, et cetera. Or the parents substitute their faith on behalf of their infant child so that that baby becomes a candidate for baptism. We need to realize that God has provided specific information as to how people are to express their belief in response to his word, and that's faith. And that is through repentance and baptism. Faith, therefore, is produced when we exercise our will, not in any old way, but when we exercise our will through belief and obedience in accordance with the words of Christ Jesus. One clear example of this is found in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark 16, at verse 16, the Bible reads, Mark 16 at verse 16, the Bible reads, He who has believed... And has been baptized shall be saved. A lot of people like to stop right there and don't go any farther. But it continues by saying, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Look at the logic here. If you accept this as true, then it means you believe it. And you're going to do what you're instructed to do because you believe it, and that is be baptized, and therefore you will be saved. And the other side of that is this right here. If you disbelieve it, you are not going to accept it, and you're going to be condemned. And if you continue reading in that set of scripture, to tell you very clearly the reason they are condemned is because they had not believed in the only Son of God, and thus they did not act appropriately. He who has believed... That is accepted as true, and has been baptized—an act of the will to express belief. Belief plus baptism equals salvation. Simple math. Now I know that some don't like the idea of thinking about faith as being a feeling. Okay, so bear with me on this one right here. Okay, and they. Don't ex- have a problem with it because, they, with this idea because we would prefer to, to, to keep our religion neatly stored in our minds and not allow it to get into our hearts. But faith produces feelings about what we have decided and done regarding the knowledge given to us by Christ. We feel assurance. Hebrews chapter 11, at verse 1. We've read this scripture a lot of times. I know we have. And a lot of times we leave out a key word when we read it. And that's the very first word. That word is now. A lot of times we just go, faith is. But no, the, but that's not the Bible reads. The Bible says now faith is. And you think about now. You think about now. Now is always right here in our face, the present. That's when now is. It, yesterday was yesterday, tomorrow is tomorrow, an hour from now is an hour from now, but this second right now, uh roughly, what, four three, is now. This is now. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance is a feeling. The author says that Faith produces a feeling of security and assurance about things we do not see, but are convinced we will receive. And it goes like this. I have acted upon the words of Christ, and the result in my life is that I feel confident. Confidence is a feeling, is it not? About the future and the unseen promises of God. I feel confident in those. We feel determination as well. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. The Bible reads, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Yet. But one thing I do. And that's something we got to keep in mind about when it comes to serving God in our faith. It comes a point in time when we got to stop looking back there and start looking out there. But sometimes we want to hold on to back there instead of looking out there. Think about Christ Jesus when he was talking to the, 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 the apostles in the first century. He didn't say, I'm going back there and get anything. He said, I'm going to prepare. That's what he said. So the text continue. Let's start at the beginning again. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In opposition to the evidence to the contrary, and the opposition is just right here, sin, death, sorrow, and disbelief. In opposition to the evidence to the contrary, I am determined, to press on to eternal life. The reasons, the reasons to persevere may be kept in one's mind, but the experience of persevering is felt through determination. Faith creates a determination to me that moves me to persevere, moves me to press on despite the opposition. Again, despite sin, death, sorrow, and disbelief. To press on despite the opposition I may encounter in the largely unbelieving world. And any of us who have been around for a while, we know that there's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of it. We feel joy. From beginning to end, just think about this. From beginning to end, the revelation of the word, that is the good news, the gospel, has created faith. And that faith, that faith has produced joy. And joy is a feeling, is it not? Luke 2 at verse 10. Would you please turn to Luke 2 at verse 10, please? Look to at verse 10. The Bible reads, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And Philippians 1 at verse 25. Philippians 1 at verse 25. The Bible reads, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So, faith begins as information processed by our wills into belief and action. And is then experienced as confidence, perseverance and joy. You would note that during this lesson I have not talked about what faith motivates us to do. You would notice that during this lesson I have not talked about how long we must be faithful. You would notice I have not talked about how to renew our faith. I have not talked about how to share it with others. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is this right here. What I have tried to do is eliminate some false ideas about faith, such as faith is not your father's religion or traditions. Faith is not simply doctrine or information. Faith is not religious habit. Faith is not personal goodness. Faith, however, does have these elements. Faith has these elements, Elements, but it is not these things. In place of these, we have learned that biblical faith, biblical faith, and that's what we got to be talking about anyway, biblical faith begins with the words and teaching of Jesus Christ, Biblical faith comes to life when an individual believes these words as true and responds to them. Finally, biblical faith. Biblical faith is continually experienced because it produces confidence, perseverance, and joy. And as we will see in the next two lessons, it also produces hope and love. So I pray that if your notion of faith was incorrect that you will discard it today and respond to the faith given to us by Jesus in the Bible. I pray that you will believe and you will obey in repentance and baptism. I pray that you will continue in this belief in order to experience the assurance, the strength, and the joy that comes with true biblical faith. Thank you all for joining us this evening. In a moment we will have a, a devo and a moment, uh, a, an opportunity for an invitation or encouragement. Thank you again.